Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs-Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. What part of your health journey is most challenging? Is it the actual effort of sticking to a plan? The cooking and the meal planning? The exercise routine? Not enough time for everything you think you need to do? Or the confusion of it all? If you said yes to any of these obstacles, then keep listening to learn how you can smash these problems just by checking your email. You check your email inbox every day already, but what if checking your inbox brought you better health instead of the stress it sometimes can bring? Well, I have news for you. You can improve your health, get a jump start on improving your health conditions, and start to feel like a better version of you just by checking your email inbox over the next five days when you join the free Nourish and Flourish five-day challenge. You'll get health tips, actionable videos, a goal and habit tracker, and healthy recipes every day for five days. Better health is the best investment you'll ever make, and this is only a small investment of your time. You have nothing to lose but everything to gain. The Nourish and Flourish five-day challenge was designed to set the foundation for healthy habits for life. Say yes to yourself today and sign up now at drshayla.com forward slash NF challenge. I'll also place these details in the show notes. The essence of health is in you. See you in your inbox. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, Dr. Sarah Boyles. Dr. Boyles is a board-certified urogynecologist with more than 15 years of clinical experience treating women with pelvic floor issues. She is a specialist in the field of obstetrics and gynecology and has completed additional fellowship training in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. Dr. Boyles has published extensively in her field and has been active in creating quality standards nationally through the American Urogynecologic Society. She has been a top doc in Portland every year for the last seven years and loves her clinical practice. She is passionate about educating women on their pelvic floor and especially urinary incontinence. Her goal is to help women understand why they are leaking and recognize the spectrum of available and proven treatment options. Thank you, Dr. Boyle, for being on the show. I'm so happy to have you today. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So we're going to dive right in here. So just give us a bit of background. When women typically go through menopause, can you just explain for us uh, what perimenopause is and how it differs from menopause? And then what are some of those more common symptoms that you typically encounter? Yeah, so great question. So menopause happens on average at age 51, and we define menopause as when you haven't had your period in a year 
right? So that is officially menopause. But before menopause, there's this period that we call perimenopause. And perimenopause is when your ovaries aren't working as regularly as they used to, and your hormones can be all over the place, right? So when we're in our mid-20s or mid-30s, our hormones are pretty cyclic. Usually for most people, they're pretty regular. You follow a pattern. But then in your 40s, you stop following a pattern because your ovaries just aren't consistently making estrogen. And so you can get symptoms that are kind of all over the place. And, and the important thing to know is, you know, that can be up to 10 years before menopause, which means that, you know, women in their early 40s, sometimes their late 30s can start having some hormonal irregularities that they may not be anticipating and that people aren't really talking about, right? I think at that point in life, you're not always, you know, that's not on your radar, right? That's something that you associate with being much older. So the common things that we see in that time frame, so the most common symptoms with menopause are really hot flashes and night sweats, things like that. But in perimenopause, you can get a little bit of that, you can get a little bit more irregular. But you can also get a lot of vaginal and bladder symptoms. So you can get more urinary tract infections. You can feel like you have a urinary tract infection, but it's not actually because of bacteria. It's not an infection, but you're kind of getting all of those same symptoms. So urgency, frequency, lots of burning. So burning in the vagina, burning in the bladder, just, you know, discomfort things that you know you you kind of try to ignore blame on other things you know maybe the heat you know maybe something you ate you know we all like to try to explain things away um, but those symptoms can all be because of declining estrogen and then uh, you know when estrogen levels go down you get dis decreased lubrication in the vagina which is what leads to some of that discomfort, but can also lead to more uncomfortable intercourse, which some people are comfortable talking about, some people aren't comfortable talking about, but can definitely happen at this time as well. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. And for the audience, I hope they, you know, are really listening. And another take-home point I like to make as a family doctor, I often get people who walk in and they're like, well, my hormones are out of whack. And you're like, okay, let's, let's narrow this down a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I, you, you know, so I think much. as women, we blame things on our hormone or other people blame things on our hormones. And, and sometimes it's your hormones. Sometimes it's hard to figure out what's going on, right? Because there are so many other things that can be happening. Um, right. But sometimes it really is the hormones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so good to point out all those different symptoms. And then are there any other like more surprising things that you find that a lot of people just typically don't realize that can be related to those perimenopausal symptoms? I think the urinary tract infections are kind of the big ones, right, that women don't really think about. You can also get a degree of brain fog and fatigue. And I think those symptoms are are really hard because there are so many other things that can cause that. Mm -hmm. And we don't typically think about hormones, right? We think about maybe not maybe sleeping well enough. Right, fatigue, yeah. Right, you know, our kids bugging us, our husband bugging us, work. But sometimes there is a hormonal reason that can be contributing as well. Yeah, yeah. And now 
In the field of obesity medicine, which I am, weight gain is commonly another concern for some women going through perimenopause. So what are some of those hormonal factors that may be contributing to these weight changes? And then what lifestyle adjustments do you typically recommend to support a healthy weight accompanying these hormonal changes? Yeah. So you're right with declining estrogen, you can definitely get some weight gain. And even if you're not gaining weight, the way the weight is distributed can be different, right? Where you tend to get more weight around your middle and less um, kind of in your hips and legs. So your shape can be different. And that's something that, you know, we all kind of hate and don't really want. You know, the recommendations that, you know, I have for maintaining a healthy weight, it's it's not glamorous, right? It's all the hard work where you need to move more. You need to be careful about calories. You need to make sure that you're sleeping enough, right? All of those things support a healthy, a healthy weight. And then being really careful about things like extra sugar and alcohol consumption, right? Which can definitely lead to increased weight and is something you know, a, a lot of people use to, we'll say, slight excess with the best of intentions. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll just even piggyback off of that with you talking about the abdominal weight gain. We know there are studies now that have shown that that can actually increase our risk for heart disease and cardiovascular risk factors, especially amongst women who are already getting those increased risks just due to age. And so, as you said, it is really important to focus on those lifestyle changes. Yeah. yeah. And there, you know, I, I feel like, you know, when you're younger, you can have some bad habits and get away with it. But then as we get older, or those bad habits catch up with us, right? And you can't really get away with it anymore. And so then you do have to be really careful about what you're eating, the amount that you're eating, the types of food and how much you're moving. And, you know, weightlifting to maintain your bones is also, you know, such an important part of aging gracefully. Yeah, it is. And I, I feel that's another thing we as women a lot of times miss because you think of weightlifting and you think of the, the folks with the muscles just popping out here and there. And you're like, oh, I may not even necessarily want to look that way, but you're so right. Uh, weightlifting has other benefits, you know, mm -hmm. for our, our bone health and our health in general. So, yeah. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one -one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. So now that we know all of these symptoms to be looking out for, what are some of the available and beneficial, I will say, over-the-counter treatments for these menopausal symptoms? 
Yeah. So there are different moisturizers, vaginal moisturizers that are available over the counter, um, some of them with prescription, and that can definitely help. You know, for the dryness, um, estrogen works the best, but that's prescription and that can be expensive. And some people don't want to use vaginal estrogen. And then so using a lubricant can help. We frequently recommend coconut oil. For women who are getting a lot of urinary tract infections and they want to be on a preventative and they want to be on a more natural preventative, you can use D-Manos, um, which can help minimize urinary tract infections. It only works for E. coli infections, but that is a natural supplement that can help quite a bit. Um, so, you know, for vaginal and bladder symptoms, those are the big things that I would recommend. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on cranberry? You know, we get asked that one a lot. I just I, you know, I, I'm completely <laughs> neutral on cranberry, right? So when I have people come in and they're on cranberry and they swear by it, I don't take them off of it, but I very rarely put people on cranberry. I feel like every year there's a big study that says it works a little bit. And then the next year there'll be a study that says, you know, it's not really that beneficial. So I, I don't actually do a lot with cranberry, but, yeah. you know, for those people who swear by it and, and feel like it really works for them, I, you know, I think that's fine. The The big thing that I would encourage women not to do is to drink a lot of sweetened cranberry juice, right? Sometimes people right. think that that's a good idea and that doesn't really help. You can't get enough cranberry and you're getting an awful lot of calories and sweetener. Yeah. Yeah. And that sugar can actually put you at increased yep. risk of getting those UTIs versus yep. what you can do. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, something that um, a lot of people do with the best of intentions and it it's just not achieving what you want it to. Right. And then I love that you pointed out coconut oil. I, I often tell folks, uh, put the coconut oil on your skin, on your hair, don't yeah. put it in your body. So I totally agree with that. Coconut oil is so high in saturated fat. So for, you know, from a health standpoint, um, internally, it's, it's not the best, but yes, it's, it's great for skin and for the vaginal tissues. It's like what you're telling yeah. us. Yeah. And a lot of women just notice a huge benefit from that, right? So especially if you're just having a little bit of dryness or a little bit of vaginal irritation, that can make a huge difference. And it's, you know, readily available, easy to get, easy to use. Yeah, yeah. And now, so, you know, we've heard so much in the media and women even talk amongst themselves about hormone replacement therapy. And so when should a woman get to that point of even discussing these prescription treatments like hormone replacement therapy? Yeah, so it's funny how there are fads in medicine, right? And, you know, 20 years ago, we put everyone on hormone replacement therapy. And then a couple of studies came out and we said nobody should be on hormone replacement therapy. And now we've really dialed that back. And, you know, you should consider hormone replacement therapy if you have bothersome symptoms, right? So some women go through menopause with, you know, out a problem or they have hot flashes for a very short period of time. If, if you don't consider it to be a problem, if it's not bothering you, you absolutely do not have to be on hormone replacement therapy. So the degree of bother, I think, is important. Sometimes that's a little bit hard because you have to convince your provider that you're bothered en enough. And, ever, you know, so there's a little bit of a subjective lens there. But if you're bothered by it, then it's a totally reasonable thing to consider. And then with hormone replacement therapy, you really want to be, you want to start it within 10 years of menopause. 
because that is the safest time. If you've been off of hormones, right? So you're, you stop making estrogen and you haven't been on any replacement for 10 years, then that's a point in time where the risk is greater if we start it. So we, we don't start systemic estrogen I shouldn't say don't, but the risks become greater at that point in time. So the risks start outweighing the benefits. So it would have to be a very unique situation. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, can you just share with us, what are some of the latest guidelines when it comes to the hormones and cancer? Because that's, you know, another common thing that people are consistently concerned about. Yeah. So if I see a patient in clinic and they have just vaginal or bladder symptoms, then I will start them on vaginal estrogen. And the reason that we start with vaginal estrogen is because you need it in the vagina, right? Or in your pelvis, and it will get absorbed into the bladder as well, but you don't need it in the rest of your system. So when we give you that local estrogen, it really stays in that area. And if you're taking it at the you know prescribed amount, then your blood levels of estrogen will actually stay in the menopausal range. And so there's no risk of um, heart disease or cancer or, I mean, the risks with vaginal estrogen are really, really minimal. So that's, that's very safe. And we even have patients who have breast cancer and we always do this with their oncologist, but for women who have breast cancer and have bothersome vaginal symptoms, we'll put them on vaginal estrogen. Now everyone has to feel like that's a good idea, right? Sometimes when you've had breast cancer, that just doesn't feel great, even if it helps with the symptoms. So it's a it's a long conversation, but it is safe to do it. So, you know, if we can give you vaginal estrogen, we do that. And then, you know, in terms of breast cancer, when we give you oral estrogen or a, a patch, it doesn't actually increase the risk of breast cancer. If you have a breast cancer, it can stimulate growth, right? And so you might notice it a little bit more quickly, but it doesn't actually increase the risk of breast cancer. So it's felt to be very, very safe. And there's more and more data coming out about that all the time. Awesome. Thank you. Now, so for all of those other kind of pesky hormonal feelings that we get even outside of menopause, what are just a few tidbits that you can share with the audience? For controlling all of those symptoms? um, You know, I think the first thing is recognizing you know, kind of your own system and how your own system works, right? And when your estrogen levels are high, when your estrogen levels are low, right? They're the lowest right before you have your period and when you're menstruating. Um, So just recognizing your own cycle, right? And how you feel at different points in time, because it is different person by person, right? And when you kind of recognize your own cycle, you know, you can you know, if it's a time where you're a little bit grouchier, which definitely happens, you yeah. you can, you know, a- adjust things a little bit, keep yourself away from people, maybe exercise a little bit more. So I think recognizing your own cycle is important. And then, you know, for so many of us, I think being active and exercising is really important to help you know, just kind of support your your mental health and your feelings at that point in time, right? So I, I think really being aware of your own system and, and what your system does is is so important. And it it always amazes me how little we all know about our own bodies, right? And and you know, 
what's actually happening at what point in time and why I really feel this way. Yeah, right? so I, I think know. education is the key. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, keep listening to Essence of Health Tea Time so you get all of this <laughs> educational advice and then listen to your body like Dr. Boyles is telling you. It's it's true. You know, I mean, I even little things like I, um, you know, I do a certain number of hysterectomies and I was talking to a young woman the other day and I said, well, you know, I'm going to take out your uterus. We're going to leave your ovaries and then your hormones will be the same. Right. I mean, taking out your uterus has no impact on your hormones. And that was new information for her, right? She hadn't realized that. And I think that's really common. Yeah. We just don't realize how those parts work. We just want them to work and not have to think about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And then, you know, we'll chat just a bit about those other low estrogen states. So when people may have some of these hormonal changes, whether they're on types of uh, contraceptions that may be hormone-based or even breastfeeding, tell us a bit about how those things make and bring about some changes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a great point because those aren't um, things that we necessarily talk about, right? So There are different types of birth control. I mean, the big things that cause it, I mean, you can have early um, ovarian failure, but in general, the things that drive down your estrogen are hormonal contraceptive, right? So IUDs can do it. Um, The Mirena has progesterone in it, and it can absolutely drive down your estrogen level. Birth control pills can do it. Um, And breastfeeding is also a a big time. So a lot of women will get kind of these irritative vaginal and bladder symptoms when they're in the postpartum period, right? Because it's not uncommon to have an IUD and be breastfeeding, have these symptoms, be at home, be too busy to actually be able to address it, right? Because you're, you're, figuring out a lot of things at that point in time, but those symptoms can be super, super irritating. And so sometimes at that point in time, we will give women vaginal estrogen to support them. I mean, that's a totally reasonable thing um, to do. It's safe for the baby. Definitely something you should talk to your physician about. And then the same with uh, different Uh, hormonal forms of birth control, right? Where sometimes we have to supplement and give a little bit of estrogen, maybe vaginal estrogen. Sometimes we have to try a different type of birth control where the ratios of the estrogen and progesterone are different. Um, and, And sometimes the side effects, the symptoms that you're getting are just too bothersome to you, right? And that's not a great form of birth control for you. But I, you know, I think it's always a a big conversation. You're weighing a lot of things. I don't like women to stop breastfeeding, you know, because of that um, low estrogen state. It's it's nicer if we can support you and you stop breastfeeding when you want to stop breastfeeding. And then, you know, I think birth control is um, a very important thing for a woman and it's important to have birth control methods that work for you and support you. So, you know, those are all things that we have to figure out. So true. And we, and you know, nowadays we have so many birth control options. And so, like you said, it's definitely not a one size fits all approach. No. Uh, yeah. And, and just for women to keep in mind, there are, you know, so many options out there and just, you know, be willing to try and work with your physician. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of work sometimes, right. To find the method that kind of works for you because you, you know, you're body may not have read the book. You may have some side (laughs) effects that are a little bit unusual, right? And you just need to try a couple of other things and that's okay. And it's, it's, I don't know what your practice is like these days, but sometimes it's 
uh, medicine is not convenient, right? It's, it's hard to make appointments. It's hard to get in. It can be hard to talk to your provider just because it feels like the system's a little bit gummed up these days, right? Things aren't moving right. through really smoothly. It, it definitely is that way in traditional practices, but mine's is not. It's one of the reasons why I opened my practice. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I so jealous. See all of my patients for an hour. We sit, we chat, they have my personal email and a cell line to text me. So they, they don't have to worry about those things yeah it's so then part of the care of the perfect. way that I want to practice so yeah <laughs> yeah but I you know I just think even if it's inconvenient it's so important to follow up right. and say hey you know this isn't quite working for me right I mean you know having your hormones be I don't know a little bit off can be a huge quality of life issue right and can impact you on a day-to-day -day basis yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Boyles. This has been fantastic. You've provided some very good information uh, within Women's Health for our audience. Now, how can my audience connect with you more? I do know you also have a podcast. So tell us a bit about that and how they can. Yeah. So I started a podcast. My podcast is pretty new. I started in February this year. It's called While You Wait. And I mean, this is actually the perfect segue. I created it because patients were having to wait a long time to get in to see me. And some of my referring providers said, hey, you know, what can we do to support these people while they're waiting? Because there's, you know, a little bit of frustration. And so I just address the things that I would like people to know before they come in about bladder health, about hormones, ways to help you get started if you're having pelvic floor issues. So... Yeah. And it's been super fun so far. So, and it's available on all of the normal, uh, you know, podcasting venues. Um, and then I have a website and I'm available on social media at the women's doctor, bladder doctor, dot, at the women's bladder doctor. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anytime. It was fun. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.